0: Hey, welcome to Christ Community Church. I am Chris. This is Zach. We're going to lead you in some worship this morning. Uh, We're so glad you guys have joined us. Uh, We wish we could see you in uh, person. That would be great. Uh, But under the circumstances, here we are. And uh, so we'd love for you guys to uh, worship along with us. We'll have some uh, lyrics at the bottom of the screen there. So you guys uh, sing along and worship with us. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. that I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Who brings our chaos back into order Who makes the orphan A son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of his brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing is a failing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was stayed. Worthy is the King who conquered the grain. Worthy is the Lamb who was stayed. Worthy is the King. Conquer the grave. Worthy is the never would stay. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Oh, That you would bear my cross, you laid down your life, that I would be set free, oh Jesus I sing for All that you've done for me. All that you've done for me. All right, here's a video of Call to Worship uh, from Michael Shower.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm bringing you the uh, Call to Worship today, and I, I hope you're all well. Um, I wanted to read to you from so- uh, Second Chronicles. Uh, 20 6 through 9 Jehoshaphat prayed this prayer to God's people uh, when they were under siege and I just thought it offers a lot of hope but on top of that I want you to also read Isaiah 60 it's a a great um, uh, hope and and encouragement to me so be sure sometime this week to read Isaiah uh, 60 the whole chapter if you would but in 2nd Chronicles Jehoshaphat um, prayed this prayer to the Lord. He said, "O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and you gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. And if calamity comes upon us," Whether the sword, judgment, plague, or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. So I just wanted to bring you that word of encouragement, because in the calamity that we're facing today, it's the same God and the same Lord that delivered Israel that delivers us. Um, I just want you to praise Him and worship Him today because He is the God that delivers His people throughout the entire Bible. Uh, God delivered His people from every calamity and um, uh, affliction that beset them. So thank you, praise God, and I hope you uh, have a great day, a great week, and all is well. Thank you.
0: Cause I want to see you I want to see you To see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory You pour out your power and love As we sing holy Holy. I want to see you I want to see you To see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of Your glory, we pour out Your power and love as we sing, Holy, 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 Your. High I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you.
2: Good morning, Christ Community Church. We are glad that you could join us uh, today. My name is Larry Ray. I'm the pastor of Christ Community Church. And this is my bride, Sherry. And we are just excited about spending a little time with y'all this morning. We trust that you're healthy and well and doing good. Um, Today we're going to be looking at a passage from Matthew 26 where Jesus gives us some instruction on how to deal with times of darkness, discouragement, and depression. And I think that's very applicable for many of us right now in this uh, season that we're in. Um, As we begin today, I want to ask you to do two things for me. Get Get a copy of the Scriptures. Get a copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew 26 and follow along as we look at this passage. The other thing that I'd like to ask you to do is to please get some uh, bread, crackers, something like that, and some wine or juice. And at the end of the service, we're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper together, and I hope that you can uh, join us in doing that. I think it'll be meaningful for all of us uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Uh, As we begin today, i have asked Sherry to share some thoughts on uh, a poem dealing with this theme that we're dealing with. So, Sherry, you share with us. Thank you very
3: much. Thanks. So, Yeah, we're gonna start with a poem by one of my favorite poets, T.S. Eliot. And the name of the poem is Little Gidding, G-I-D-D-I-N-G, Gidding, it's a place. And I'm gonna be reading stanza four, so if you wanna find that, you can and follow along. I'm also gonna read it again at the end of the service so you can find that. Little Gidding, um, stanza four. What's happening in Little Gidding is that it is, T.S. Eliot writes it in 1941 and he's in London and it's during the bombing of London. So he is hunkered down, sound familiar? (laughs) He is hunkered down and the enemy is literally dropping fire on top of his city. And so this poem is about two different kinds of fire. The fire that man brings on man that we I might bring on another person or another person might bring on me. It's a metaphor for you know sin and, and, and um, evil. And also the fire of the Holy Spirit coming down. So both fires are coming down. Man's sin against man, or sin against himself, even, and the Holy Spirit, which takes care of sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So listen as I read this poem. It's broken into those sections the Holy Spirit and then man's choice, what to do about that, about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then God and man's choice about what to do with what he offers. So, Little Gidding, stanza four. It opens with the image of a dove, which you may know is the Holy Spirit. The dove descending breaks the air with flame of incandescent terror of which the tongues declare the one discharge from sin and error. It's talking, he's talking about when the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost. And it wasn't, it was, it was scary, it was big, it was completely new. And what did man do with that? The only hope or else despair lies in the choice of pyre or pyre to be redeemed from fire, by fire, from the fire of my sin, I can be redeemed by the foul, fire of the Holy Spirit. Who then devised into the torment love? This is what God did. Love is the unfamiliar name behind the hands that wove the intolerable shirt of flame which human power cannot remove. My sin I cannot remove. It is a shirt on me that I cannot take off. But Christ can. Through the the work of the Holy Spirit. And here comes my choice, man's choice. We only live, only suspire. The word suspire means to breathe. We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. I live by my own fire, consumed by my own fire of anger and fear and despair, or I lived consumed by the mm. fire of the Holy Spirit. T.S. Eliot is offering that as our choice in little getting.
2: Thank you. You're welcome. Isn't she smart? Well. Um, this week as I was thinking about this lesson and working on it and putting it together, I was my mind was taken to another verse in Philippians chapter 4. It's one of the most well-known verses in the Bible in Philippians 4, 19, where Paul says that my God has faithfully met my needs and will do so for you as well out of his glorious riches. That verse is almost always uh, quoted in the context of people wanting God to bless them with wealth. Uh, I need more money. I need more stuff. I need more things. And God, would you please bless me Uh, with more money, more stuff, out of your glorious riches. What I find interesting, though, is that the verses that precede verse 19 uh, really don't deal with money at all. Paul's not talking about money in Philippians 4. Listen to what he says in verses 11 through 13. Paul says, uh, It's not that I've ever been in need. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation and circumstance, whether I'm full or hungry, experiencing plenty or little. God's promise of provision for His children surely must include more than just money and stuff. The question that I want us to think about today is can God's glorious riches provide for deeper, more serious needs in our lives than just regarding wealth? Can God's glorious riches provide for needs in my life and in your life, needs that would include times of darkness, discouragement, and depression? Um, Like I said, I wish you would turn, if you will, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 deals with that night before Jesus was arrested and tried and beaten and crucified. And we get an amazing glimpse into the heart, the soul, the mind of Jesus in this chapter. Um, Jesus is leaving the upper room. He's taking the disciples with him. And they are going to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, where Jesus plans on preparing for what lies ahead the following day. I think it's important to remember that the Bible says that Jesus experienced all of the emotional struggles and battles that we as humans struggle with. And this includes times of darkness, discouragement, and depression. Mark says that that night Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled. Matthew says that Jesus that night was in great anguish and sorrow. Jesus himself said that he was so crushed with grief that he despaired even of life. I think it's significant that that phrase, Jesus despaired even of life, Those exact words, or almost those exact words, I should say, were used to describe other major players in the Bible. Times in the lives of people like Job, Moses, David, Jeremiah, the Apostle Paul. Each of those men, men that knew God, trusted God, followed God, had the hand of God upon their lives, They use those very same words and ideas to describe moments and seasons in their life where they despaired, even of life. Paul says in Hebrews 5 that while Jesus was on the earth, he prayed and pled with loud cries and tears. Isaiah says that you'll be able, 600 years before the Messiah came, Isaiah prophesied that you would be able to recognize the Messiah because he would be a person who understood what it felt like to suffer, to be despised, to be rejected, to experience great sorrow and great grief. Jesus himself warned the disciples, in this life you're going to have many trials and many sorrows. And he's implying, as I have had, you're going to experience the same kind of trials and sorrows that I'm experiencing. And anyone that's spent any time in the book of Psalms understands that times of deep darkness, great discouragement, serious depression are a part of the lives of the godly, those that love and trust God. I find it very interesting that Jesus' response to these times of darkness, discouragement, and depression, they did not include being passive. Jesus didn't just accept it. He didn't play the victim card. He didn't complain. He didn't deny that anything was wrong. He didn't look to distractions and sedations to get through these times. Instead, Jesus was very proactive. He was very intentional, very deliberate about taking steps, real steps, practical steps in battling with and dealing with and confronting these moments and times of discouragement, darkness, and depression in his life. What did he do? What did Jesus do in battling with these things that he was going through, this darkness, this discouragement, this depression? Well, look with me, if you will, in Matthew 26, verses 37, 38, and 39. Let's see what happens here. Matthew says that Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to these men, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Join me and watch with me. Luke adds, when he gives an account of this, he says, pray with me. And then going a little further, Jesus fell face down and prayed, my father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. What did Jesus do when he was in a place, a season of darkness, discouragement and depression? What did He do to battle with this? And I think there's six things that we can see here, maybe more, but I found six. First of all, it says that Jesus took with him Peter, James and John. In battling with darkness, discouragement and depression, Jesus turned to his friends. He recognized that he needed the support and the encouragement of others in his life. People that loved him and were committed to him. David did the exact same thing when David was going through difficult times. He turned to people like Samuel and Jonathan for support and encouragement. The Apostle Paul did the same when Paul was in very bad places, painful places, dark places, he would turn to people like Barnabas and Silas and Luke and John Mark. I would encourage us um, to recognize that there are many aspects to living a life of strength and courage and victory that we will never experience alone. By God's design, we need the help. I would also encourage us to be mindful of who we select to be those kinds of people. They need to be people that have a balance of mercy and truth, a balance of empathy and wisdom. We don't need people that that will enter into a a place of us being victims with us. We don't need people uh, that will agree. with his friends about his problems. Um, He told his friends what he was going through, what he was struggling with, where, where that darkness was being manifested. Sadly, I think there's much more honesty and transparency in AA meetings and bars than there is among the people of God. power in people praying for us there's great power in knowing that people are praying for us as a pastor one of the greatest blessings in my life is my knowledge and confidence that on a daily basis there are people that are praying for me i will never know at least on this side of heaven I'll never know the blessings, the protection, the wisdom, the power, the help that I have received because of the intercession of other people in my life and just the strength and the courage that I have found in knowing that they are interceding for me on my behalf. The fourth thing I see here is Jesus says, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus understood the power of giving his problems to God. He cried out to God in honesty, in sincerity, asking God to take this away. He he did exactly what God had told David to do in Psalm 37. David was in one of the darkest, most discouraging, depressing times in his life in Psalm 37. And he cries out to God and says, God, where are you, help me. And one of the things that God tells David, he says, David, commit your way unto me. Commit the place that you're in in your life to me. And that word commit means to roll over on. And what God was telling David was, David, roll over on my shoulders the things that your shoulders cannot carry. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 5, cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. In Psalm 34, the psalmist says, In despair I prayed, and the Lord listened and saved me out of all my troubles. When did God listen and save him from all of his troubles? When the psalmist prayed. And then in Psalm 86, I love this psalm. The the psalmist says, Lord, you are good, and you're full of forgiveness and unfailing love. For all who ask for your help. uh, Is God good and full of forgiveness and unfailing love for everybody on the planet? Absolutely he is. But in a very practical, specific, powerful way, God is good and full of forgiveness and unfailing love for those who ask for God's help. I think we are so quick to talk about prayer, to tell people, oh, I'm praying about this. We think about it. We worry about it. We wrestle with it. We struggle with it. We let it beat us up, whatever these issues are that we're battling with. But do we really take the time to specifically and practically and clearly say, God, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. I give these things to you. I roll these things over on your shoulders because my shoulders are tired. I can't carry it anymore. The fifth thing I see is Jesus says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus made a choice, just like in Sherry's poem that she was reading and talking about. Jesus made a choice. Father, I choose to trust in your sovereign, good, wise plans for my life. Jesus believed that there was not a problem not a battle, a pain in his life or in the life of any other child of God that was ever random, accidental, or wasted. Jesus, like Joseph of old, trusted in God's promise that everything that was occurring in his life was ultimately uh, driven by the goodness of God. Jesus um, Said in Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 9 to his disciples, the
4: Son of Man.
2: Great times of darkness, discouragement, and depression. But I promise you, that's not the end of the story you will rise again. This is ultimately going to be used for good. Jesus trusted in his Father's promise.
4: For him, him being Jesus.
2: Paul says it in Philippians 2. He says that Jesus emptied himself of his glorious privileges, chose to become a human, not just a human, but a servant, and humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him a name above all names. Jesus chose to trust that at the end of the day, All that he went through was not the end of the story, that there was something great, something glorious, something wonderful waiting for him when this And the lady looked at him and said, I'm okay. I'm gonna get through this. There's nothing going on in my life that a good resurrection won't fix. She understood what Jesus understood, and that is that this present time in her life is not the end of the story. There is a resurrection ahead, and that's gonna take care of all of the darkness, all of the discouragement, all of the depression that she is dealing with today, and the same is true for us. Our greatest danger in life is not the times of pain and the scary experiences that we might be facing. Our greatest danger is passivity, pretense, denial, giving up, and not fighting. We must fight to keep our faith strong. In the character of God, the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the wisdom of God, the promises of God.
3: That fight is what he's talking about in this poem. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Um, In the garden, Jesus revealed how he dealt with times of darkness, discouragement, and depression. He turned to true spiritual friends. He was honest with them about his struggles and battles. He asked them for prayer. He gave God his burdens and cares. He rested in God's love, God's sovereignty, God's wisdom, and he fixed his eyes on God's promise that this was not the end, that there was a glorious future waiting for him. I end with this verse that I love in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed every day. Are we actively, practically, intentionally doing the things that will renew us every day? We can't get rid of these times of darkness, discouragement, depression, these scary times, these painful times. They're here to stay until Jesus returns. But we can do things like Jesus did to face these things, endure these things, conquer these things uh, that are going on in our lives. I wanna let Sherry end us today.
3: And so the poem, the T.S. Eliot poem is actually about the Holy Spirit our choice to allow the Holy Spirit to do these things in our lives rather than choosing despair. I'll read it one more time. T.S. Eliot's Little Getting stanza four. The dove descending breaks the air with flame of incandescent terror of which the tongues declare the one discharge from sin and error. The only hope or else despair lies in the choice of pyre or pyre to be redeemed from fire, by fire. Who then devised the torment? Love. Hmm. Love is the unfamiliar name behind the hands that wove the intolerable shirt of flame, which human power cannot remove. We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. Thank you.
2: We're gonna take the Lord's Supper now. And I hope that you will join us in doing this. Before I do, though, I want to just say one quick word. And uh, that's just a word of thanks. Um, Many of our church family have uh, really risen to the occasion and continue to be so faithful in their giving toward the ministry of our church through mailing offerings in and through uh, different uh, electronic ways of giving, uh, and I just I just wanted to say thank you uh, for your kindness, your sacrifice, uh, your faithful giving. Some of us, because of uh, situations when we can't give right now, where we can't give like we uh, had, were able to do at one time. And I understand that. Uh, we all understand that. But those of you that have been giving, I just want to say thank you so very much. Uh, God has been so faithful and kind to us, and I, I, I really want you to know that I'm thankful. Um, the night that Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, the night before he went to the garden, um, he took bread and he took wine and he ate it and drank it with his friends. And he did that for two reasons. He did that as an expression of looking back. Jesus ate that bread and drank that wine. He celebrated that Passover meal with the disciples as he looked back at uh, what God had done for the people of Israel when an innocent lamb was sacrificed so that God's people could be delivered. He also ate that bread and drank that wine because he was looking forward to what he was going to do as God's ultimate perfect sacrificial lamb the following day, the giving of his life so that the people of God could be forgiven and adopted into God's family. We eat and we drink this bread and this wine today for the exact same two reasons. We look back on what God did for us when he sent his son to die on the cross. We also look forward to a day that will happen hopefully soon when Jesus will return and invite us to a feast, a feast where we will eat bread and wine, drink wine with him and celebrate our union with him forever. So if you have bread and wine, please join us as we eat and drink and remember and give thanks for what God has done for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord Amen. for being our Savior. I want to leave you today with a blessing. It's in from Psalm 142. The psalmist says, I cry out to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal to him my trouble. Although my spirit grows faint within me, you know my way. You know my path that I have traveled. I look to the right and I can see nothing. No one attends to me. There's no refuge for me. No one cares for my soul. I cry out to you, O Lord. You are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am am brought quite low. Rescue me from my pursuers, for they are too strong for me. Free my soul from prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous will gather around me. Because of the goodness that you have shown to me, blessed be the name of the Lord.
0: East went looking for west, but never found him. Girl went looking. From my past, but only found love. Heard about a sea where sin sinks like stones. There's no floor there, just mercy down below. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. I heard about a man with holes in his hands. He can hide mountains sitting sin in there. His smile destroyed my religion His love it shakes down my prison There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace. There's so much grace. And I could run for all my days, but I never run away. There's no mistake I could make. I could ever make you change. And I could run for all my days. But I'd never run away. There's no mistake I could make. And I could ever make you change. There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace in the arms of a father there's so much grace 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 grace. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Uh, Again, we are Christ Community Church. We'd love for you guys to join us again next week at 1015 here on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, no Instagram. Sorry, that's wrong. That's not right. But YouTube and Facebook Live, uh, please come back next week at 10.15. You
4: guys have a great week.